So if you would open your, your Bibles with me and go to John 10, 22 through verse 30. John 10, 22 through verse 30. And the message that I have prepared for you this evening is on the perseverance of the saints, or the preservation of the saints, as I will explain later on through the message. But if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Starting verse 22. At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him, and they were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us openly. And Jesus answered to them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, ever. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be with us as your word is being opened and preached the gospel may, may save us and may be of great benefit unto our souls tonight. Be with us, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, and I have taken the definition of the perseverance of the saints from uh, the Westminster Confession, which you can find in your Trinity Psalter hymnal at the very end. And this is what the belief, you may also know it as eternal security, and, um, and all those, we'll touch upon those later on. Um, the Westminster states that those who are effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, given the precious gift of faith, can neither totally nor finally fall from a state of grace, and they will certainly persevere in grace to the end and be eternally saved. I would like to point out that the the phrase, perseverance of the saints, might be a little misleading. We are not saying that the Christian somehow keeps themselves in the faith, but we're saying that it is God who keeps his sheep in his fold. And this is why we prefer the terminology, the preservation of the saints. Because when we say preservation, we take the eyes off of us, and we put it 
toward Jesus Christ, who is the only one who is able to keep us from stumbling. So throughout this study, I would refer to it as the preservation of the saints. Now, the doctrine of the preservation of the saints is it's biblical doctrine. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it tonight. And my hope, that, my hope is that I will be able to demonstrate that it is, in fact, a biblical doctrine. It is not just a logical deduction from other doctrines of Scripture like unconditional election and total depravity. And when, whenever pastors mention the doctrine of election, uh, people are a little iffy. They don't, they don't like that word. And I say both the Calvinists and the Armenians believe in election. It's just that the Armenians put election in the hands of men, and the Calvinists put election in the hands of God. John 10, 28, if you would follow with me, it says, I give eternal life to them. Now notice the source of salvation. The source of eternal life is Jesus Christ. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish ever, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The translation that I'm using is one of the most literal translations in the English language, which is the New American Standard. And my, my translation has added the word ever at the very end of that sentence. I don't know if your translation does it or not. Some of them just say they will never perish. But what this is doing is that it's emphasizing one of the strongest ways of negation in the Greek language. It is, it is to say that they will never perish ever, not in this generation, not in the one to come. It is the strongest negation that you can think of. And when he says that no one can snatch them out of my hand or the Father's hand, Jesus is saying this. Notice that this text is also a claim to deity because for Christ in his human body to say that the Father's hand is his hand is a very strong statement that only can be attributed to the divinity of Jesus Christ. I should be able to finish the message right here and say, it says right here, no one will snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one will snatch them out of Christ's hand. That is to say, none will be lost, and all will persevere therein till the end. But that will be a very short sermon, and uh, I have more prepared here for that, so it is not the end of it. <coughs> Notice here that the reason that these sheep will persevere to the end is not because of uh, innate goodness or strength, and the person, because I would ask you tonight, look in your heart and, and tell me that you're not weak, that you don't have those moments where you just doubt, am I really saved? And the moments of doubt, surely we're all weak. And it is not because of our goodness or strength, because we don't have any, that will persevere until the end. But our perseverance rests fully and completely upon the loving and powerful hand of our Father. 
Those who are given by the Father to the Son will be raised on the last day. Would you go with me to John 6.39? John 6.39. It says that, Now this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Is, God, is Jesus Christ able to accomplish the will of the Father? Absolutely. Which means that every single sheep that was given by the Father to the Son will be raised up on the last day. Not a single sheep will be lost. All that the Father has given to the Son will absolutely, certainly, without the shadow of a doubt, and unquestionably, be saved on the last day. Now, Martin Luther, the great German reformer, said this, The enemies, the enemies of the Christian life are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he said, those are great adversaries. But I'm going to add to his quote, and I am sure he said this somewhere else. The best friends for the Christian are the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Now notice that salvation is a Trinitarian work. All the persons of the Trinity are working to save and to preserve you until the end. Now the Father, this is how salvation has worked. The Father sent His Son, John 3.16, for God loved the world in this way, that He gave His only Son, that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. So the Father has sent the Son, and the Son came, took upon flesh, died on the cross, and rose again, and today he intercedes for you, and that's the reason that you haven't fallen away. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Christ is praying for you today. Go and read John 17. And that is what the reformers have always said. That is the prayer that Christ is praying for you today. And that's the reason you haven't fallen away. And the Holy Spirit has also come and has indwelled the believer and has sealed you. It's the down payment. Ephesians 1.13 says that you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, do we really think that the Father can give a group of sheep to the Son and say to the Son, I love you, and give this sheep to the Son as a gift, and then that, this, that the Son would die for this sheep, intercede for them, and now the Holy Spirit would come and indwell this sheep, and that somehow the sheep could be lost? May never be. 
Now, you were given a gift. You were given the gift of faith, the gift of a new heart, and the gift of, the gift of God, the calling of God, are irrevocable. They cannot be removed. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So if you have been gifted with faith, Paul is saying, the calling of God is irrevocable. He will not be removed. Now, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. God does not give you the gift of eternal life one day, and the next he says, never mind. Can you imagine if our salvation depended upon a God whose mind can be changed from one day to another? One day he saves you, and the next day he condemns you? One day he gives you his spirit, and the next day he removes it? Or one day Christ intercedes for you, and the next day he says, I never knew you? That would be the worst news that I could ever hear. And this is certainly not what the Bible teaches, even though there might be some cuckoos out there teaching that. The gift of God is without repentance. For he's immutable. See, our, our perseverance in the faith rests also upon the character of God. And since God doesn't change, he doesn't change his mind, he will not change his mind about the sheep that he gave to Jesus Christ, his son. And these are the verses that tells us that certainly God doesn't change his mind. James 1.17 says, In God there is no variation, nor shift in shadows. In Malachi 3.6 says, For I, Yahweh, do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Also, our perseverance does not depend on our own free will. Can you imagine if my final salvation depended upon me? Do you really want to trust your final salvation on your hands? Yeah, that's what I thought. If it was up to us and our free will, do we really think that we could keep ourselves in the faith or even last a second in the faith without Jesus Christ? We continue to choose Jesus Christ every morning because His mercies are new every morning. We do not fall because Christ is holding on to us. We are not snatched because He has engraven our names on the palm of His hands. Philippians 1.6 says, I am confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now notice that it is Christ who began the good work, and it is He who will finish it. And yet, 
This preservation can only be said about God's true sheep. For there are those who have dressed themselves in sheep's clothing and have come into the fold of Christ, pretending to be one of his sheep. But only those who have been truly converted, truly convinced of their sin and misery and giving new life, only these will endure until the end and be saved. Now, possessors of faith endure to the end, not professors of faith. Because there are many professors of faith out there who say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And they're, they haven't changed a thing about themselves. Christ's work in the Spirit is not in them. Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but by their works they deny Him. So it is possible to say, I'm a Christian, but not to be a Christian, really. See that a, a mere, empty, one-time prayer will not get you into heaven. Because Jesus said in Matthew, you will know them by their fruits. Just because you said, I saw a television, I saw uh, there was a preacher in 19, 1993, I saw a preacher on TV and I said a prayer. And that's the reason that I will be saved. And yet, you look at their lives and the fruit of their lives it shows that they have no fruit, which means they have not been engrafted into the root, which is Christ. Now, you might say, I've seen many Christians fall away, and I say you have not. You have seen churchgoers fall away. You have seen Bible owners fall away. You have seen goats in sheep's clothing fall away. But Christ will lose none of his sheep. Now this is what we say. If you have it, you never lose it. If you lose it, you never had it. And as a famous preacher said, a Christian can fall and trip within the boat, but he will never fall out of the boat. We may stumble and fall, and make mistakes and sin every now and then. But we're only stumbling in the ship. But Christ will not allow us to jump out of the ship. Or as the beloved apostle wrote in 1 John 2.19, it says that there were some that went out from us, but they were not really of us. So there are some who profess Christ, and they will leave, but they were never really of us. They were never true sheep. Now, you can see an example of Judas. Judas professed to know Christ. He followed him everywhere he went, and he thought, and when Jesus first came preaching, he thought, well, this is really cool. Christ is healing the blind, and the lame are walking, and all these miracles, this is really cool. And I better get in on it, because that's what the cool kids are doing. 
Now, notice that he was even in charge of the money bag. He even became one of the twelve. And now he realized, you know, I, I can just picture Judas. He realized, well, I was able to get a hold of the money bag because he was greedy. He's like, I can carry the money bag around. But once he realized, well, this Jesus is not, it's not about gaining money. We're not, it doesn't look like we're going to make a lot of money in this ministry. What did Jesus, what did Judas do? He went and saw Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It was money that attracted Judas from the beginning and is what took him away. See, Judas had only a profession of faith, but he never possessed that faith. Peter, unlike Judas, was kept by Christ Peter had a true faith, while Judas did not. See, both Peter and Judas committed grievous sins. They both betrayed the Lord in different ways, but they both betrayed the Lord. But one was kept by the intercession of Christ because Christ told Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. See, Peter was kept by Christ's intercession while Judas was left in God's justice to Judas' own greediness and selfishness. The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints does not say that the Christian life will be perfect, with no downs, always cheerful, with no sin or anxiety or tribulation, because... Let me tell you, if you haven't found out yet, the trials and sin will arise. And we deal, we deal with them every day. Your faith at times may be tested. Temptations from the devil may come your way. Your garments may wear out. And your sandals may be thin. And even for a time, the light may be obscured. But God will surely hold you fast. And you will never be shaken from the rock upon which Christ has placed you. Matthew 7, 24 says that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you build your house on the rock in Jesus Christ, your house will never be shaken. See, Christ is a good shepherd who will lose none of his sheep. And since he's the good shepherd, in one of his parables, he says, will a good shepherd not leave the 99 to go looking for the one that was lost? See, Christianity is not, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Christianity, it is the fact that Christ will go out of his way to keep all of his sheep and none will be lost and not a one 
And we would do very well to learn to say what the Apostle Paul said when he says in Galatians 2.20, The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We would do very well, Luther said, if we would learn to say, Christ died for me. See, one of the other things is that I grew up with the belief that at any moment, if I commit a sin, and let's say I committed a sin, and I, for, and I forgot to confess it before I went to bed, and if Christ came, or if I die, and I forgot to confess that sin, that I would just be lost forever. That's the theology I grew up with. See, if I had to confess my sin after every sin I commit for fear that I would go to hell, well, I wouldn't get anything done. I don't have enough time in the day to do this. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I just don't have enough time. And thank God he doesn't require this of us because we will be doomed. The doctrine of the preservation of the saints is not the same as saying, once saved, always saved. For those groups usually believe that a mere repetition of a prayer will get them into heaven. You know, I say, I say my prayer, I got my ticket punched, I'm going to heaven. That is not the same thing as the preservation of the saints. Because Christ demands obedience and submission from us, not as the basis for our final salvation, but as the natural outworking of saving faith. I should repeat that again. Christ requires obedience and submission from us, not as the basis for our final salvation, but as the natural outworking of true saving faith. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And 1 John 2, 28 says, Little children, all of you little children, even the old folks, uh, for John, they were little children. Little children, abide in him, so that when he is manifested, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. And John 15.5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And that, that would be a wonderful sentence to keep in our, in our, in our hearts and in our, in our minds throughout this week. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. It is only by God's grace that you and I, Christian, will persevere until the end. Not for anything done by us or anything good in us. Christ's sheep will never perish, ever. No one is able to snatch them out of his hand. And I will close with Romans 8.31. You can listen to this section or you can follow with me 
Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who indeed did not spare his own son, but deliver him over for us all, how will he not also give with him graciously all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who, was at the, who is at the right hand of God, and who also intercedes for us. Verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or turmoil, persecution, famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we're being, put in, we're being put to death all day long. We were counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing created will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray.